This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I do apologize for the last minute. Now, you said I gave you the day of. In fairness to me, it was the day before for me, but your time, yeah, was the morning of. It was kind of a last minute thing, more of a staycation um, just hung with the family and kind of got caught up on things. So it was super busy in March with all the fantasy baseball launch and drafts and whatnot. But um, uh, it was good. Thanks. How, how was your week, Liz? The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. It was good. Uh, you know, I don't know, last, yeah, last week Heather and Sasha were out of town. They were in the Algarve. And so I had the place to myself. So I just took care of some long overdue Bitcoin OPSEC stuff, which I'm mostly done with, which I feel pretty good about. And uh, Sasha, you got to go. I'm in the middle of a podcast. What do you? Oh, uh, come on, come on. It's like she comes in like ten times. I put her to bed. Where were where were we? So yeah, so they were they were uh, Heather and Sasha were out in the Algarve all week. So I was basically here, and when I had like a bunch of to do stuff, a bunch of stuff to take care of. Uh, one of which was uh, some OPSEC on my uh, on my Bitcoin, which I mostly took care of. Uh, scary stuff, you know, moving around some stuff. Uh, I'm not going to get into any details, but just stuff that uh, you're like, <laughs> this needs to be done uh, to keep my uh, stash safe. So I did it and, uh, you know, had work and everything else. So, yeah, it was a good week, I guess. Nice. Yeah, exciting times with Bitcoin. Um, I need to do a little bit of that myself. Um, I got taxes done. And I think the highlight of my week is just refreshing uh, live box scores of baseball, man. My uh, teams are off to good starts, so it's been been fun to watch baseball so far but yeah. then right before we start recording here i see covid break out in astros and losing a bunch of guys and they know this the inevitable wave of injuries are are bound to bound to bound to happen yeah i've been seeing like that one of the last beat chris list you did that seems like fifth place overall out of 2000 something and my teams that's my worst team probably but it's not the one doing the worst the, the one doing the worst is my most important one which is my main event but i look at the players and i'm like these guys are good I just won Lou Trevino with for 180. The second highest bidder was 177. Knock on wood, oh, but nice. that's looking pretty good. And I feel good about the team. It's just, you know, my guys aren't hitting yet, but they're all knock on wood, reasonably healthy, and they're who they are. So it's uh, it's funny. At one time in the uh, in the main event, I was in first place overall on May something like May first, <laughs> and I finished ninth in my league that year. So just yeah, yeah. No, and it's a long, obviously long season. And your thoughts are last year's, you know, mini version. But yeah, no doubt. My uh, excited to see guys I was really high on though. Glass now is drafted in round two of the main event twice, and, and Burns I would have gone three for three in round three. But um, 
uh, a guy, I believe he's a fantasy writer, Dave Chauvin, took him at the turn at two and three. So it's the only reason I'm not three for three with Burns in my main event. So Glassnell and Burns, I like whatever, went in on, set men. So I'm just super pumped to see them get off to hot starts. Like I said, it's just three, whatever, three starts. But it's, it's always better to get off to a good start than a horrible one, I guess. No doubt. Oh, I was saying the hell of fantasy baseball last week is like, if you're not doing well, then you're worried because you're like, I'm slipping in strikeouts. I really need to get on this now. But if you're ahead, you're not ahead by enough. You know, bad stuff's going to happen. So you're never happy. It's never fun until like August when you're in the thick of it and you're like, oh, I've got some stats behind me. I just need to keep this up for a month. And that's when it gets fun when you're like, well, now it's about attacking the leaders. It's not about you know, hanging on. And so, uh, we'll see, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not too, too stressed about it now, but that last one I did with you was just a stupid draft. I got like Sixto Sanchez. I took David price a little bit early. I made a bunch of mistakes. So I took Lance Lynn over Burns, although Lance Lynn's been decent, but I, I should have yeah, taken yeah. Burns. Dude, dude, Burns, uh, I got also at 40 to one to win the sigh and he's the first pitcher Ever or since 1906, it was unclear how he framed it. To start a season, 30 strikeouts, zero walks. It's pretty crazy. Only the, the, the bullpen and the run support's killing me with just one win as far as Cy Young voting. But uh, wow, what a, what a start. I mean, just filthy. Obviously, the Indians will be an issue maybe at some point. But that's pretty crazy, that start. 30 strikeouts, zero walks. I mean, his, you know, his whip right now, you know what his whip is? Like point, .05? Oh, not half that and you'll be off. It's .22. Uh, that's crazy. I, I'm not 0.05. I mean, 0.5, yeah. Yeah, if you half that that you, and you start right. off. I mean, that's through three starts. I mean, that's pretty crazy, man. It's crazy. It's crazy. I, I also – I was talking about this with Jeff. Like, he'd go at the turn right now. Like, he and Glass now. You know, people went like Giolito, Darvish. People might just go like Burns, Glass now if you were drafting today for the rest of the year. But I, I think Burns – I think like he's like a – a little bit of an injury risk. I don't think he's had Tommy John surgery yet and he throws super hard and he's going to get the big ramp up in innings. I'd be a little nervous injury wise, but I'd still take him in the second round. I mean, if we, that's how, you know, you could say, well, who cares? You know, you big deal. It's, you know, only April 15th. Like why you don't know anything, but well, if we were to redraft and he goes in the second round, then that's obviously a win. If you got him in the fifth or the fourth, even like I, yeah, exactly. Yeah, t- uh, I only threw 59 innings last year, so for sure, like, who knows about as far as durability? It's absolutely a, a risk. I throw in that hard, and man, there's the movement on his his cutter and whatnot is pretty pretty sick. But yeah, base- so your teams are off to what? So so starts. Uh, so so to bad. My top team is doing well, but the NFBC teams are all middling, and then the uh, main event one is actually bad. But again, I don't. It doesn't really matter as long as your guys are healthy and. I guess it hurts a little bit that Robles got moved down to ninth, but you know Juan Soto missed a few games. He's back. Stanton, he's healthy. Knock on wood, just hasn't really done much. Glaber Torres hasn't done much. He was back today. You know Matt Olson's a little banged up. Chapman finally started to hit a little bit, but all these big horses that I have, Grisham came back and he hit a few home runs. So I feel good about it. Like the players are good. Uh, it's really the starting pitching that's really my issues. I have Kershaw who's good, and then Blake Snell just. What a horrible outing last night. So I had Blake yeah, Snell hurt me. It just sucked. But then, you know, but then it's guys like Corbin and, you know, Sean Manaya and, you know, I picked up Alex Cobb, but I left him on the bench like an idiot this week. So at my closers get for nothing. I've got four closers in that league, even though I didn't pay for closers. So that was fine. It's, just, it's really going to come down to my starting pitching. I think the bats will come around. 
I have Josh Donaldson in five of the six uh, NFBC leagues, the big money ones. And so that was funny. Just the first at bat, him hurting yeah. himself rounding first base, which just was pretty funny. Because, I, you know, I, I, I put off uh, hitters, too. So it was kind of brutal to lose uh, a guy that I was relying on. But one thing that I'd be remiss if I didn't give you shit, because just because two weeks ago we talked specifically about Gallegos and then my guy Alex Reyes, who I scooped up everywhere I could, just randomly became the closer. That was just kind of funny. That remember that specifically you were giving me a hard time about, your, or I was giving a hard time about Gallegos, and I happened to have Alex Reyes in that said lead. Uh, yeah, well, you were right. I was wrong. What can I say? I really thought it was going to be Gallegos. I was right. I didn't think he was going to be the closer. I'm just saying that that's this. That well, was, there's that no. I, well for me. I was like, there's no point in taking him unless he's you know a starter or a closer. And then he was the closer, so I didn't think he was going to be. But I got plenty of – there's only like one league where I'm low on closers. I got Trevino for nine in our league in the one that I botched a bunch of it. Wow, the that's week before. really good. The I, week before. I, you know, I was like – because I, you know, I knew that uh, Rosenthal was hurt. And so I was like, well, who's it going to be? And actually it was Vlad Sedler tweeted something about this in like January when I was doing my draft champions league. So I drafted him in like the 40th round there. And saying that he'd be the closer. And then they signed Rosenthal, so that was off. But then once Rosenthal was hurt, I was like – uh, what about that Trevino rumor that I saw? And then he was pitching better than the other guy, so I just picked him up. I wish I picked him up everywhere early, but I did uh, did benefit from that. Yeah, no, well done. I'm mad at myself for not having him more places, too. I, he's been on my radar, but yeah, exactly. I kind of just put him out of sight, out of mind once the Rosenthal signing, but it makes total sense. I think he could absolutely just be the guy, you know, top 12 type. Oh, crazier the saves. It's like, it's not just um, like, I don't know. You could argue both ways here. It's super weird. Like, what, more than 50% of the saves have been, like, on uh, NFBC players' benches? Josh Hader hasn't thrown three innings yet. I mean, it's, it's kind of weird. But um, I don't know. I'm still, I'm still personally happy that I invested early with them. Do you, do you disagree or are you still, you're still cool with the strategy he went with as far as saves? Uh, I definitely did saves right. That was one thing I did right. I mean, it may not pan out in every league, but in most leagues, I'm, you know, I'm flush with closers. Now that may change because my closers are shakier than the guys who you know paid up for them. But uh, I, I think you need those bats and those ace pitchers. I mean, it was round five in the last beat Chris Liss that I I took Lance Lynn, who had a complete game shutout, but I could have had Burns. And that's those are the guys I'm choosing between, right? I mean, if I take Liam Hendricks there, that's a terrible pick. You know, you, you just it's just there's the ceiling on a pitcher who, who blows up there is just so much higher. And if you just get your saves anyway, like I got Trevino for nine bucks in that league, you know, you just, there's just so much harder to get a fourth or fifth round bat or pitcher on waivers. Yeah, I'd counter and say, you know, that Hader has two wins and a save in those two and a half innings. He's, he's a top 40 player so far. So, um, and he helps you in the whips so much and the K, uh, I get so many more K's than the other relievers. So I don't know. I, st- I, I still, uh, I'm good with, with going with the relievers there, but I, I'm not much Liam Hendricks though myself, but um, I think he'll be fine too. But anyway, good time so far as baseball. My hitters, I will say I have a few main event teams that are batting like uh, probably 210 or, or 190 or something, even though they're doing well in the standings still because uh, of my pitching. Um, it might be, it's definitely going to be tough for my strategy in the 15 teamers, obviously, but um, I, I really, I, I feel like a lot of people are going to go more uh, pitching heavy, especially in the, you know, the OCs. Uh, Twelve teamers next year. You can just see the writing is clearly going to go that go that way. Writing's on the wall, I would think. Yeah, we'll see. We'll Excuse see. Well, I I don't know because there's been a lot of big outings from pitchers like Sandy Alcantara had a couple of good outings, just okay last time. Alex Cobb's got a lot of strikeouts. You know, there's there's been a bunch of pitchers. Joe Musgrove had a you know almost a perfect game, oh, yeah. and I know oh, you yeah. have I know you have him, and I never really liked him, but. 
there's a lot of pitchers doing well. It's not just the aces. Now, the aces are, you know, Bieber's doing great. It's, it, at the top, DeGrom, Bieber, Cole, they're really doing great. The top three guys, by the way, are just living up to it completely. Uh, but Giolito, Glass now, there's just so many. But but I think there's other pitchers doing well, too. So I think what's it's going to depend on whether pitching is easier to come by this year. And if it is, I don't think people are going to go pitchers next year. Uh, but if it's not... And it keeps up that you know these top guys stay consistent all year. Then I do think people are going to be like, "Wow, the it's just such difference makers." I mean, right now, you know, Cole and Bieber are just Degrom's been you know great, but he's just been screwed out of some wins. But um, like he is every year, the top three guys are such monsters. Man, I got Freddie Peralta like in the late late rounds in all three OCs. That's been uh, that's been the biggest home run so far. He went so far up, and I struck out in the main event because he was pushed up so hard but so far the helium has been rarely the biggest helium guys actually live up to the hype and he has so far helps i guess facing the cubs a lot or whatever there's some really bad offenses this yeah. year. But it looks like central teams are going to benefit everyone's like oh last year you know they played center. well it looks like that's going to be a big help again this year too i mean just look at uh look at what bieber's doing even i mean bieber is pretty ridiculous and giolito um that was a good duel the other day but yeah uh very happy baseball's back, and we'll see how crazy these outbreaks become. I kind of like mentally thought that we were past this, but it sucks, man. These teams are still dealing with COVID outbreaks. Yeah, it's annoying, but it's going to be ten days. It's not. It's not going to end up being that big a deal for most of it. A lot of it's just like contact guys who. So they some of those guys come back in a few days, right? Like Corbin came back, pitched yeah. the same week. I, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal, but. Speaking, uh, hold on, I'm burying the lead here. Speaking of which, I just came across this uh, 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 on Twitter, I believe. Speaking of COVID, list, yes. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I had co- I had COVID. I didn't. I thought I might have had it. And this is, I, I don't know if I mentioned this to you privately or I said on the podcast, but I thought I might have had it in like December because there was like two days where I was like wiped out. I was just so tired. I didn't feel like getting off the couch. And you know, I'm often tired because I'm lazy and I sleep. You know, I, I like to sleep and I don't get enough, but this was like a different level of tired. It wasn't just like, oh, I'm tired. I didn't sleep. It was like, no, I really don't want to get up off of the couch. And it was like two days. And I had this weird headache. It wasn't like, I wasn't like that sick. And I, I didn't even feel that bad. It was just this weird headache. And I was very tired. And I have two, three days. And Heather had the same thing at the same time. That was the other thing that made it like, obviously we had something. It wasn't like just something internal to me. It was obviously we had some kind of bug because we both had it. A couple of days later, it was gone. And I thought, you know, maybe that was COVID because normally when I get a cold, it's just I get the same kind of cold every time. I get a sore throat. Then after the sore throat, I get a little bit of body aches, stuffed nose. And then at the end, I have a cough. That's like every time I get sick, it's the same progression. This was not like that at all. So I was like, this is new. This is probably COVID. So it had been kind of in the back of my mind. But, you know, what am I going to do? I wasn't very sick. Got better. And then I was just like, you know what? I want to take an antibodies test because we're going to go to the U.S., you won't be able to fly without something. And personally, I would just rather not fly, but we have to see Heather's family and stuff. So both of our families really, but, uh, but Heather's the one who like, it's a tough drive, it's a tough drive from Portugal to uh, LA and uh, you know, the boat would be a great option, a nice yacht or something. But anyway, I, I hate, uh, we'll get into the whole airline flying thing. Cause I have something to say about that too. But so I was like, I may as well just take it. Cause I might've had it. And lo and behold, I go, I get the doctor, the woman's like lecturing me, which is totally false. She's like, oh no, even if you take this test and you're positive, you still need the vaccine. And I'm like, no, I've read in many places that your immunity or the vaccine is equal. You don't need, you don't need it if you've already had COVID. 
But I said, okay, yeah, sure, sure. Just can I have the prescription? So she gives it to me. I had to pay in cash. The insurance doesn't cover it. They don't want you taking this test. Mm-hmm. And so I, I take it, pay 82 bucks, 82 euros, take the test. And I'm expecting it to be negative just because, you know, and it's positive. And I'm kind of like thrilled because I'm like, okay, well, I don't have to worry about that. I'm not happy that I had COVID. You know, who the hell knows what permanent damage I'm going to have later in life. But, you know, I'm happy I had it because I don't have to deal with it. Yeah, that's like the only test you're rooting for a positive to come yeah. to come back. Yeah. Um, well, congratulations are in order, I guess. So yeah. yeah. So so what? So you can have that like um like it, obviously you have verifiable proof that the that the antibody that the antibodies exist. Yeah, I, I mean I have an antibody thing, and you know again I'm, I'm not into the right. showing your papers bullshit, but like literally to get on a plane, I think I probably yeah, have I, to take a negative get a negative test anyway before just even if I have the oh, and, you know true. so yeah. but like okay so I'll take a, a test. But I know it's just one other thing that I'm just like, I'm good. Worry about yourself. You know, kind of like I'm not, I don't, I'm not worried about anyone else. I wasn't that worried about other people, but I'm just going to live my life now. You know, I'm, I'm done. When are you going to US? What's the plan for that? So the plan is early July, fly back through New York because it's just such a long trip with masks and shit. And as if airplanes and air travel wasn't hellish enough, now you got to wear a fucking mask like the whole time. This is just a, it's just a very big ask. And I understand, you know, on a plane why, you know, it's like the worst. They're like, oh, they're ventilated. They're safe. A plane is like, I didn't even like flying on a plane when there was a person with a, a flu, you know, but forget about yeah, COVID. I hated that shit. I always got sick from yeah. plane rides. And here's the other thing that's fucked up. I was thinking about this, right? The reason, you know how much disease spreads through airplanes? Because if, obviously it's COVID goes around the world in two seconds because of airplanes. And you know what's so fucked up? The cancellation policies. It used to be airlines. If you changed your flight or had a problem, you just like get credit and, you know, move your flight. Uh, sorry, something came up. I got to change it. They put these like $150 change fees and some of them are not even uh, refundable or, or alterable. And so what happens? Well, people have a fucking flu, but they've got a plane from New York to LA and that shit cost them 500 bucks. And they're like, I'm sick, but I can't change this shit because they're going to charge me 150 bucks. So I got to take this flight. Normally, if, if like, forget about COVID. COVID is, is kind of a red herring. It's, it's not really the point in some ways. It's like there's always been illnesses all around us. And I feel like people should not be on a fucking plane if they have the flu. Like the flu is basically as deadly as COVID. It's just not as contagious. So COVID kills a lot more people because it's more contagious. But the flu is also kills people every year. And people just get on the airplane with the flu, you know? And it's like, but... You can't blame them because they pay for this flight and the airlines like, you know, it's 150 bucks to change this thing. They make you get on that flight if you're sick. You can't just be like, dude, I'm sick. I'm just give me, a, you know, cut me a break. They never let you change the flight. By the way, I appreciate the people more now in the past that were wearing masks in my flight. Before I'd look at them kind of what what's up with that? But now it's like, oh, and I realized they were doing that for me. I, pre- I appreciate that back in, you know. Back no, they weren't doing it for you. They were doing it. They were doing it. The they were doing it for you. They were doing it because they were yeah. super paranoid. But look, yeah, the, the flu. Possible to. Yeah, I hear you. Yes, the cancer. Yes, that's ridiculous. Look, and yeah, that's backwards. That's yeah, why. That's fucking why this shit happens. It, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. And I would not be looking forward to yeah traveling across the the uh, the, the world either right now. But uh, whatever. I'm, I'm excited to, to to hear you going to the states. Uh, what that it's uh is there? This is not a. There's not a Las Vegas road away. Oh, no, uh, there, there, there might be. There might be. There might be. Depends on how things are. It's it's not official. It's not decided. So yet. you, but you may show or no. Uh, if if I'm in LA, if everything goes smooth, yeah, I'll go. 
I'll definitely go. Interesting. Okay, cool. Awesome. Dude, that would be something. I have immunity, right? There's nothing else you can do. I have immunity. You can get a shot. You'll have the same immunity I have. They don't know. They're like, oh, well, we don't know yet how long immunity lasts after you've caught it. They don't know how long the shot immunity lasts. I they're, know. They're, they're talking about yeah, top-ups. Booster after six months. Oh, you're, you're not just buying a, you know, a one-time thing. You're buying a subscription. You're buying a lifetime subscription of this shit. Uh, now I'm done. I got this shit. They're like, oh, there <laughs> could be variants. Da, 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 da. Well, look, if, if there's like a million different variants, I'm not like doing the, uh, the arms race every, you know. F- if people were, if there were bodies stacked up in the street, I, I probably would do the arms race, actually. You'd be like, holy shit. But given the state of things, if you have it or had the vaccine, that's good. And if, you know, whatever, we'll see how things change. I don't want to, you never want to lock yourself into a position. I think you should be open-minded to evidence. But my point is that, you know, the asks are getting ridiculous. Oh, after you've had the vaccine, go wear two masks and don't talk to anybody. Fuck off. Really? Fuck you. It's time. You know, if you take the precaution, it's it. It's not, you know, it's not for the state to say. And I'll say another thing, a couple of things, you know, that basically, as far as I can tell, the case fatality, the, the uh, case fatality rate for COVID is the same as the flu. It's got John Ioannidis from Stanford said it's 0.15%. And, but I, I'm pretty sure that that's a lot worse than the flu because it's a lot more contagious. So, you know, if, if 10 times more people get it, then there'll be 10 times more deaths, which is serious, right? 0.15 isn't very high, but when you multiply it by, you know, hundreds of millions of people getting the disease, it's, it's quite a lot of people. So it is serious. But if you've had the vaccine and it works as claimed, and I don't know, I, I'm not ever going to vouch for those companies, but assuming, you know, you've done your research and you, you have your faith in that, it's 90%. So it'd be, it'd be 0.015%. And now we're talking about it's even, you know, less deadly than the flu. And so, you know, what are you doing? If, if you're already vaccinated, you're already caught COVID, it's kind of like, what are you doing? Like, why are you living in fear anymore? Why are you living terrified anymore? I don't, I don't understand. Well, I know why. Because CNN and all these cable networks and me- media and the government loves this shit because they love the control. They just keep fear mongering and fear mongering. Oh, you can get it even if you had the vaccine. Oh, you're going to need a vaccine every six months. We don't know where, when it wears off. Oh, there's a new variant that could kill you anyway. It, you know, it, it doesn't end. So you spend a year not seeing anybody or doing anything. You caught the bug or you got a vaccine. You wore your mask and did your shit. Okay, it's over. It's over. It's it. If you have immunity... And then you're less, this is my understanding, you're less at risk going to a restaurant with immunity than you were of getting the flu and dying from that before you even heard of COVID. I, I hear what you're saying. Um, I, uh, I, I personally did the, have taken the shots or gotten the shots and, um, and, and, and have some concern about just the lack of any long-term data on it. I don't, right. I don't. I mean, I, I absolutely. Um, and now already like a Johnson and Johnson's getting, getting pulled now, although that does seem, um, seem like a, an overreaction, but I, I don't, I don't, yeah, I, I hear everything you're saying. Uh, I do, uh, hundred uh, percent. Ioannidis, by the way, had those numbers pegged a long time ago. He, he, he looks like crazy, right. In hindsight. Um, and I think my main takeaway is uh, I'm so close to Lotus of Siam, I can taste it, almost taste it. Right. Right? That would be a, I'd love to. Uh, to, to do the Vegas trip. Oh, I'd love that to go to Lotus of Siam. That'd be yeah. awesome. It would be yeah. great. If you're still terrified, even though the case fatality rate is the flu. And remember, it, here's the other thing is the case fatality rate is the flu, but it's not, you know, it's very, uh, it's not, in, it's not the same as the flu, the distribution. The, obviously, the distribution is for much older people, people with pre-existing conditions. So if you have those, it is, it is more deadly. 
If you don't have those, it's less deadly than flu, actually. So that's, that's a factor. It's not just, you know, indifferent. There's the idea of, you know, the germ theory. Oh, if I get this germ, I get sick. Well, it's not just the, it's not just the organism. It's also the soil, right? Like what kind of soil, is it in a hospitable environment to multiply and, and do its damage? Or is it in an inhospitable environment? And so we have some control over making our, you know, our bodies less hospitable. There's treatments, things like, uh, like ivermectin apparently works. I've seen a lot on that. You know, even things like vitamin D, getting out in the sun, getting fresh air, all, the, all of these things, obviously losing weight, eating healthy, avoiding seed oils, all these things make it less and less hospitable to the virus. So, you know, you're not just a passive, you know, lottery ticket. There's bad luck. You might have something you don't know that you have. Nobody, we don't know. We're not in control of every micro aspect of our bodies. We don't know if we have some existing condition that we're unaware of, but you can make, it's not, you're not just passive. You can make it uh, less likely. And so, you know, the other thing is like, okay, people have done the year, they've worn their masks, they've not seen their families, they've done all the shit. You know, five years is not an acceptable ask. It just isn't. I don't give a shit. You know, if it's Ebola, it's just not an acceptable ask. We're at the point where it's okay. You know, people are starting to have more immunity and they've done the shit. And, you know, we kind of know what the disease was. I think early on the precautions made more sense because we really didn't know what we were dealing with. And so I, I just, I don't know, I just feel like, you know, you can take care of yourself. You can do the best you can to, to minimize your chances. I mean, put down the fucking donuts and the soda, man. I, I you know, I, I, everyone has a right to eat that stuff. Knock yourself out if you prefer that. But you're, you're increasing your risk. You're increasing your risk of diabetes, heart disease, all this shit. They don't say this. They want it to be all on, you know, you have to wear masks and do this. They, they never say, oh, you have to eat healthy. You have to take care of yourself uh, because that would be like, well, then what? You know, how are we going to sell you these pharmaceuticals? How are we going to sell you this processed food? If you started to like, if the message were like, actually, you can, you know, we can get this from 0.15 to 0.085. If people just stop eating these foods, we could do this quickly. If we just cut this out and lower the, uh, the amount of uh, inflammatory agents in the bloodstream, we could do this in a month. We could cut this down. Uh, and and the, the changes in your bloodstream happen in a month when you change your diet radically. I mean, this stuff's been documented. Uh, obviously obesity is not going to be over in a month. That takes much more time. But a lot of the stuff, you know, they didn't say a word about this stuff. So I just think like there's just a couple of uh, ways of looking at it, paradigms about health that are kind of fucked. Like, dude, it's, you're not just a passive recipient of a lottery ticket. You can actually influence this. And I don't think that message has been really broadcast by anybody because it's not in their interest. The, the media that loves the fear and the clicks, the governments that love the control and the fear of the population – Nobody's saying, hey, you actually have some agency in this. Yeah, it's incredibly annoying, the lack of message. We just saw, I don't know if you've seen, uh, uh, probably come across that Project Veritas showing the CNN technical director saying fear sells. Uh, you've seen this, yeah? Yes, I did right? see it. Yep. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, it's right there. Yeah, preaching to the choir here, man. I mean, I, uh, I, was not, I was drinking soda a year ago, and now I'm literally eating salmon roe and bone broth, homemade bone broth. And just my, my in-laws are fed up with grass-fed this and grass-fed that. They're going to go crazy if they hear me say that again. And the, the, the taste, by the way, is definitely different. Um, so, uh, yeah, yes, why don't you go ahead and uh, try to get healthy, uh, first and foremost, yourself. And uh, I certainly uh, need to exercise far more. But um, and certainly getting outdoors will help now that it's summer. But um, yeah, the, the lack of messaging as far as what you should and shouldn't eat is often not only not there, but it's it's presented uh, backwards. You, you get a Krispy Kreme for getting your shot. You get a Krispy yeah, Kreme. Exactly. I mean, dude, yeah. that's not that's not right. That's not that's the wrong. Yeah, and 
And so, so that's one thing, right? So it's like, don't, you want everybody else to wear a mask and double mask, you know, first of all, outdoors, whatever the normal rate of, of contagion is, it's one thousandth of that outdoors. This is less contagious than the flu. And as I said, outdoors, I mean, maybe the flu is even less contagious, but basically going outdoors, if that's true, again, like, you know, I read what I read. I could be wrong about stuff, but if it's true that the chances of catching it are diminished by, a th- you know, a factor of a thousand when you're outdoors, then, and, and if the case fatality rate is the same as the flu, then eating outdoor, then going outdoors without a mask in, in the era of COVID is actually safer than eating in an indoor restaurant in the flu era, in, in a, you know, flu season, night 2017 flu season, you go to a restaurant, well, you have a better chance of catching the flu than you do outdoor COVID, even though COVID is more contagious if you're in the same environment. So that's another thing. And then the last thing I want to say, which is just really fucked up that they've kind of put everybody in this mindset, is there's a fucking lab leak in Wuhan and somebody fucked up. They, they have no account of, the, you know, we've gone over this. There's no plausible account of the origin. It, it's a lab leak. It didn't coincidentally happen right next to the lab. Oh, everywhere in the world. It's not even near the caves where the bats are that actually have these viruses. It's, you know, a thousand miles away. And that's, okay, it, it leaked from a lab. The benign explanation is that it leaked, right? Not the, the more nefarious one is something else, but let's just say it leaked. They fucked up. There's this horrible virus accident. They're doing research. By the way, the U.S. funded some of that research. You know, let's say it's, let's say it's benign. As benign as trying to, you know, study gain of function and enhanced viruses could be benign. Say it's benign and it's an accident and it leaks, okay? Now, suddenly it's my problem, not, oh, I'm a murderer if I go outside and do something. Let's just say I didn't have immunity, right? And I'm going outside trying to go to the beach with my family. I'm a murderer. It's not my fault that this virus leaked. No, it's not like that. People are like, oh, you're killing people. You can't go do that. Wait, wait. That's like, I didn't leak the virus out of the lab. I didn't do this. I'm just a human being. Suddenly it's my job to like make sure everybody in the world is safe from every virus. This is, this is crazy. We've never lived like this. I do think if you're sick and you have symptoms, don't go to work. Don't go on a plane. I thought that was true when you had the flu. I thought it was true like before COVID. Now it's even more true. If you're sick, don't go around. Don't shake someone's hand and say hello, trying to be polite when you have a cold. I, I've said many times before COVID like, hey, I, I would shake your hand, but I'm a little under the weather. People look at me like I'm some weirdo, but it's like, dude, I, I don't want to get people sick, okay? But it's not my job to like, you know, when I'm not, I have no symptoms and I'm not sick to worry about what diseases I might have. There used to be a flu. The flu was killing tens of thousands of people a year. 60,000 Americans a year die of the flu, like 2017, no big deal. 60,000 people. Well, I could have the flu and not know it. I could be in like the first days of it before I'm symptomatic. I never thought about that. I never thought it was my responsibility. I'm not like a, a vector for flu virus. I'm living my life as a human being. That hasn't changed because the more contagious virus got spilled from a lab. It's not suddenly my job to fix everything. I do think people should be conscientious, but like, where did it become? It's sort of like recycling, right? It's like, oh, there's, you know, the planet's polluted. You better recycle. They uh, we'll put a bin out there, so you better recycle. Yeah, you know why they do that? So that everybody thinks, oh, it's you, and they can go rat on their neighbor, and it's his fault. He doesn't recycle enough. He the pollution is coming from industry, from government, from big corporations. That's where like 99% of the pollution is coming from. But they want consumer, they don't want to deal with that because that's a very expensive problem to fix and a hard problem to fix. So they make consumers feel like they're doing their part, you know, by throwing this stuff out. I do recycle, but I'm saying it's, we all know it's bullshit. It's not efficient. Most of that stuff doesn't even get reused. It's just, they basically 
reframed the idea of recycling so that it's your problem, not really the, the real person who's, in, you know, who's responsible's problem. Um, yeah, a lot, a lot of stuff there. Yeah, there is interesting, uh, more in-depth stuff about the recycling industry right now. I believe John Oliver did a segment on it recently. The flu numbers, I mean, I get it makes sense why they're down, but it's still staggering how it basically just disappeared. Um, and then uh, I want to circle back. Alana Chan um, did a, I listened to a podcast with her on Slate all about the lab leak. I know you've been following her for months. Yeah. And it was, uh, you know, interesting and worth listening to. And I thought at the end, she uh, surprised me when she said that she does think that eventually we will have, you know, proof. It will, it'll be revealed how exactly, even if it's through emails or whatever, the technology will lead back to however it was. It will, we'll, we'll eventually know, even if it's 50 years from now. That we'll find out the answer, you're saying, after they're yeah, covering it up yeah. so much. But it's like, I, yeah. dude, I don't, but the thing that annoys me about her is she's acting like, oh, this is such a, we should really be open to the possibility that it came from the lab. Oh, well, you know, some, some smart people and scientists think this. Well, here's the evidence of this. It's like, there, there's the burden of proof is such a huge concept. You know, it, somebody she's has probably gotten so much shit. Oh, she, no, no, she's, like she's brave. She's just like defensively saying, I don't even blame her. I bet she's been beaten yeah. down so much by now. She has to reflexively uh, come across it yes. starting with a right. qualifier, you know, but because there's so much propaganda, the Chinese government and, and whoever else was involved, whether it was the U S whoever does not want that. Obviously that's, and, and the whole community that does this does not want that leak. You know, that, that's think about what you're responsible for. I mean, it is obviously something that they do not want to have come out. And so they've used every ounce of their power to make it like taboo even to discuss it at first. Oh, you're a conspiracy. There is a leak. There's no way it's a leak. But like so that makes her have to do that because people like attack her because she's like a prominent science. She's not prom- she wasn't prominent, but she's now prominent. And she's somebody who is, has the scientific chops to actually you know, be believed and taken seriously. But like. But yeah, it's all bullshit. She just has to pretend to be even handed so that she doesn't get like crucified for even bringing it up. But the presumption that is overwhelmingly that in the entire planet, it could have, you know, you could have had this virus erupt anywhere in the entire planet. It happens to be right next to the lab, the only lab in the whole world doing research on these kind of viruses. And there's, you know, and the, and the Chinese yeah. have obfuscated completely on this. The government has not let people in. The BBC did try to get in there. They've been, you know, destroying evidence. They've been, I don't know. It, it seems just obvious. It's weird also that, you know, it can barely survive outdoors, but it was created outdoors that, you know, also. Yes. Really there's so many. There's just, it, so. Yeah, there's so many reasons. It's just that now, look, could I be wrong? Would I bet my life on this? No, but I would bet like I'd risk five grand to win 500 bucks on this, on this bet. You know, like whether it came, I, yeah. I'm almost positive it came from a lab. Right. It late in. Yeah. That makes sense. I, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't push back on that. Um, yeah. Um, what else lists, uh, you have anything else going on? So, uh, latest on the uh, Portuguese property, I don't know where we were last at, but basically like there was a, a woman who was married to one of the heirs and she claimed she, she didn't want to sell. She had a title to it or a piece of the property. And then they found out that they had an agreement where he gave up his shares. I think I said this a couple weeks ago. And then so, but because of that, they had to go, took like a month and a half to go into the, the camera where they store these documents, but it wasn't there. They had to go in the bigger one because it was so old. They dug that up, but it wasn't notarized, it turned out. Therefore, they had to redo the deed and then post that they're putting the deed in our name and then give them a month's notice 
her a month's, give her a month's notice to complain or something. And if she doesn't, then the, our lawyer said, okay, that's good enough. You know, she doesn't, she had a month. There is an agreement there, even though it's not notarized, you're good. So we're like, oh, great, a month. And that's been a month. But it turns out that because they had to do a new deed because of this, uh, the powers of attorney that all these pe- all the heirs that were in France and other places gave are no longer valid for this deed. So they had to re-get all these old people to do new powers of attorney. And now the clock is just starting now, again, for a month. Now we've got to wait a month. At the end of the yeah. month, nobody says anything, then we're going to get it. So <laughs> I don't know, man. It's just like, it's unbelievable. But they did send us back that's a deposit. Frustrating. So we're not out anymore. We spent a couple grand on the architect. So that's the only thing we're out right now. But uh, we're waiting. We're probably still going to do it. And we're actually looking at another one that is pretty close too. So we might have two. We didn't really, <laughs> our architect thinks we're crazy. He's like, you don't need two. This is too much. And I'm like, well, you know, we don't know about either one. It's everything so sketch here. And, you know, I think inflation's happening. And if you can get a loan, I want to, these are cheap places, by the way. They're not like fancy. You could, you know, probably get one that was cost more than both combined. But we just feel like we want to have money in something. Bitcoin, obviously, but, you know, I feel like diversify a bit and uh, have some play. And plus, we want to have a place to go, you know, on the weekends. Yeah. I like how you go from having none to two, possibly. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I, we don't even have one yet. So it's just we had to put another iron in the fire. Right. Nice. Well, good luck with that. And that sounds very frustrating that it's just constantly yeah. something. Who knows? But, um, yeah. That's, yeah. That's really annoying. But yeah. Yeah. Good luck with that. Um, yeah. Good job with the, the solo pod last week. Um, yeah. Well, well, well done. And um, I'm happy to be back here. And what else? Well, Jake McGee, another save here. I mean, uh, man, this cannot be stopped. It's I mean, I, I just like, it cannot be stopped. I, I should have bid $900 of my fab on him. I mean, it's uh, wow. What, what an animal. It's making me um, sick. I'll, I'll tell you something else. So I took Bobby Witt in the 18th round and I got mocked for that in the uh, main event. And I, I just have this feeling, maybe I'm just crazy, that once this like another couple of days passes and they can call up all these guys without uh, triggering another year of service time, that Kelnick, I don't know if it's Witt, I'm hoping it's him, uh, and a bunch of other guys are going to get called up like really soon. Maybe Joe Adele. May, uh, just, there's going to be like a, a whole wave of these guys that are going to come up. Yeah, it's certainly possible. I don't know what, yeah, there's no, because there's no minor league season even for another whatever month or whatever. It's so weird. So, um, yeah, certainly possible. I have, uh, I have Nico Horner stashed. I still think that he's going to be interesting for the Cubs. Do you, do you write, you don't follow like, like you don't cover the Cubs and you still no. run away. No, yeah, I, so. I used to know the Cubs really well. So, oh, a couple other things. So one is, uh, this guy, Gino, he asked, uh, we had a topic he wanted us to discuss, and I think you mentioned this to me before. This will segue into Bitcoin, and he's talking about stocks too. And stocks is a different, a different beast. But he said, why is you know, Bitcoin just like fifty nine hundred, six thousand, fifty nine hundred, six thousand for like fifty eight hundred for like a week and a half, two weeks, maybe more, and then suddenly in the middle of the night, it's at sixty four k. You wake up in the morning, it's at sixty four k. Now, it's you know, I just should say it's crashed, and I'm pretty upset. It's crashed down to sixty two nine eighty right now as we record this. So. It's been in a, a huge bear market for an hour or so. But he's saying, what is, the, what is the reason why these things move in these streaks? Like they say, you know, it stays uh, at a certain level, you know, bounded for like a while. Then all of a sudden it'll just break out in one direction or the other. 
Right. Yeah. Okay. First, first of all, I'm surprised. It used to be, I was always told during the night, the Asian markets are, are quieter and it's uh, typically had been doing worse, but lately it's been the opposite. It does feel like you go to sleep and it's been, it's been doing well at night, but anyway, continue. So I don't know about stocks. I think stocks are manipulated. I don't know what the fed's doing and the mechanics of it. It's so complex, you know, with banks and, and the way the fed lends to banks, makes reserves available and these repo markets and all this crazy shit. I don't really understand stocks. And then the markets only open, futures markets go up, and then somebody's buying futures and stuff. So I don't know what the hell's going on there. With Bitcoin, I don't know either, but there's, at least there's a, I have a better idea of it because, first of all, it's open 24-7. So it's actually trading those times. So it's literally buying and selling of Bitcoin is, is, is pushing it. And yeah, so, it's going to be as mature as the stock market, like soon or whatever. Or maybe it's past it. I forget. Yeah, because it's twenty four seven. Yeah, it's already but, more. It's more of a real market. You know, it's not like yeah. Fed doesn't print to prop it up. I mean, it does end up getting propped up by the printing, but it's not direct. But I, I, I think like a couple things are going on. One is, you know, these companies that are going in big. You have all these like Goldman Sachs now thinks it's a thing. You know, Morgan Stanley's going in. These insurance companies are going in. Obviously, MicroStrategy, Tesla. When they go in, they don't go in and buy you know two Bitcoin. You know, they're, they're buying in the thousands, the tens of thousands. So, you know, you can't just get, there's not that much li- liquidity available because, you know, most of the hodlers are just like, that's off the table. You know, they're not selling. So who's got the money? There's like these market maker traders who are buying and selling amongst each other. But as it starts to get bought up, the liquidity dries up. So if somebody wants to get a lot of it, I don't know how they're going to get it without driving the price up. So I just think sometimes it's just a whale goes in and buys a whole bunch company or person and then, yeah, two, and then there are other there are other events like the coinbase ipo right i mean that was that's kind of a clear thing happening today that's obviously going to affect the price right i don't know well i'll talk about that in a second but but so you, you know you're buying and selling but then the other crazy thing which really skews things is there's people are levered to the ass they're, they're like a hundred times leverage so they're they're along this thing and you know it starts to go up and they like ride the wave and they're buying you know they're borrowing to buy which makes it go up really fast. But when it goes down, sometimes it drops 5,000 really fast because when these guys were levered long uh, and the price starts dropping, you know, they've got to they've get rid of that stuff fast. And that's a cascade of selling. And just like the shorts right. drove up GameStop, I think sometimes these shorts get caught and they've got to, you know, rush to buy this very illiquid, you know, very small amount of supply of this stuff to get it. So I think, I think that's why there's like, when there's like events... When someone big comes in, you know, Michael Saylor said, he's like, it's not like Facebook where if Rupert Murdoch joins Facebook, he's one other person. So it's Facebook's got a billion or two billion and one people now. No, if he joins it, he could put in, you know, five billion dollars into it. it. Right. So it's not like it's it's not like incrementally growing the way a social network would grow. A monetary network can grow insanely if a bunch of corporations put in a few billion dollars. And then again, there's not a whole lot of supply. So. I think that that's why, and that and the leverage is why it's so herky-jerky, but it can be very, I don't know why it stays stable for so long, but I, I, I definitely know why it gets, you know, unstable. Makes sense. Um, and then uh, another news is uh, that Gary Gensler was officially named the SEC chairman, right? That's supposedly, hopefully bullish. But you could circle back though, were you thinking Coinbase? Is that maybe secretly maybe a bad thing? Because then people can get Bitcoin through just that stock instead? Or I mean, do you think it's, I mean, what do you think? It seems like bullish, but, but, but who knows? I don't know. I mean, it's bullish in that it's, you know, it's going to bring some attention to it, but it doesn't need attention. Like it's already got attention. The guys I follow are saying, that 
Coinbase, people think, oh, Coinbase is going to bring publicity to Bitcoin. No, it's the other way around. Bitcoin brings publicity to Coinbase. And Coinbase is a shitcoin factory. You know, they have all these alts and all this stuff. Yeah, right. And they've never right. been, they only, they only hold like 3,800 Bitcoin in their treasury. I mean, if they were all in on Bitcoin, they'd have more than, than MicroStrategy. They, they've been in Bitcoin. And Mike, Michael Saylor just got into this thing a year ago. They've been in it right. since, you know, eight years or whatever. So they, they could have easily had, you know, when it was less than 1,000, they could have had, they could have put as much as they want on their balance sheet. So they're not really bullish Bitcoin. They're bullish capital markets. They're bullish going public. And they made $100 billion. So, I mean, they, they weren't necessarily wrong. But they're not really Bitcoin. They're just like a crypto. So I don't really think that's good for Bitcoin. Yeah. I, don't th I don't think it's like yeah. a, a dangerous thing or it's a problem. I just think like, I'm not like, oh, the Coinbase IPO. I think that's, that's just some yeah. uh, surface level shit. You know, that's just like what the, the, they'll say on the TV shows. I think the, the bullish thing is what you said, Gary Gensler, a guy who knows Bitcoin, seems pro-Bitcoin, head of the FCC. And then uh, this guy, Michael Morell. I don't know if you remember this guy from the, uh, it was the Clinton Sanders campaign. And he was one of Hillary's advisors. And he said, or maybe when she was running against Trump, he said, uh, we need to take a couple of Iranians and kill a couple of them. He was like, said some crazy shit. We need to kill a couple of theirs and let them know. And he was just like hardcore. And everyone's like, oh my God, this guy's like, CIA is like, you know, he's like a mob boss. This guy's talking like Tony Soprano. But that guy, of all people, came out and there's all, you know, Janet Yellen and, and all those people, they're all saying like, well... Bitcoin's used for illegal transactions and we need to regulate and make sure that, you know, everything's transparent and it's a big problem, terrorism, all this stuff. And he did a very deep study and people like in those circles listen to him because he's, you know, he's connected in there that showed that Bitcoin has very little illegal activity. The blockchain makes it more transparent. It's not a good currency to use to, uh, for terrorism or, or other money laundering. And that actually, you know, the banks and the US dollars actually, which everyone thinks it as two brain cells knows is used way more, you know, $100 bills are used way more to launder money and to fund terrorist activity. So that report just went out. So it's debunking that FUD. So like the FUD of like, oh, the government's going to shut it down. I think that ship is sailed. I think it's too big to fail. And I think too many people, and they're smart people. Another uh, SEC, I don't know if she was the chair of the SEC. I don't know what her job was, but she was like, yeah, I, she's like, she's like, you know, we need to like, make use of, you know, this technological innovation. That, that's the bigger danger. The danger isn't, are we going to shut it down? It's, are we not going to benefit enough from this? So I think that the tide is really shifting on, you know, that whole, the government's going to ban it. I think that, I think that, yeah. I think that FUD is dead. Yeah, that does seem to be fading a little. I think the latest FUD would be the, I've seen was that China is going to come out with their, their own digital currency. Um, oh, that, the one that expires that you have to spend? Oh, it expires in three months. You gotta. No, I think you're gonna. Oh, I'm gonna sell my Bitcoin for the one that's going to expire. Yeah. yeah, that's a great, good, good idea. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's different than that, but I, yeah, I saw that too. Um, but, uh, anyway, well, Coinbase. One thing I will say is being valued at 100 billion had to have probably surprise some people on Wall Street. Um, and um, sticking with with Bitcoin, I I did do a little uh, dive into your guy Nick Carter. Watched or listened to him on a few podcasts, including one with Lex Friedman, which I recommend anyone getting into Bitcoin. But uh, yeah, so made the Backstreet Boys joke, but um, I like I like that guy quite a bit. Read his stuff and following him on Twitter, and he's uh, he's he's definitely good for good follow for for, for Bitcoin. Yeah, he's a sharp guy. Uh, that Lex Friedman guy, he got all he got a little bit like insulted because the Bitcoiners jumped down his throat because he was saying that he's a yeah. PhD physicist or something, and he's done hard stuff, and they were on him, and like Nassim Taleb got into a beef with them. 
and the other, you know, all these kind of guys. Who there's one other guy who was they just oh it was Chamath got destroyed because he was trying to do you see that he tried to shit uh, you know your Golden State Warriors guy Chamath that's your guy exactly who you're talking about but I don't know what he did what he he's been Bitcoin what did he what he do okay so he he was like speaking at some conference or something and one of these Bitcoin plebs a guy with a thousand followers or whatever was like oh really you're just shilling shit coins too now and the guy and Chamath kind of tried to shabap him and say what are you talking about, man? I was doing Bitcoin when you were in your mother's pajamas, or, you know, not your mother's pajamas, when you were in your mother's, you know, when you were in your mother's yeah. basement, you know? And yeah. so the guy says, uh, bullshit and whatever. And and the, and he said, have fun staying poor. And obviously Chamath's a billionaire. And Chamath is like, I, I don't remember what he said, but he basically was like, there's Bitcoin OGs and there's fakers or something like that. The point is, he said something basically like, I'm way richer than you in so many words. And the Bitcoin plebs just destroyed Chamath. And like this guy got all these followers and this guy's actually pretty cool. I started following him on the other account. But the thing is like, and, and, and you see it from the guys that I really like. Um, this guy, Ben Kaufman is a pretty good follow. Ben Kaufman, Pierre Richard, there's a bunch of them. Uh, and NVK is really good. And the thing is, they are so harsh on these people who think their status in the real world entitles them to status in the Bitcoin world. These people think because they're successful or they have a lot of followers, or they're important, that Bitcoiners should respect them. And the Bitcoiners do the opposite. They're like, fuck you. I don't give a shit. The status is almost, it's totally disrespected. And they're, they're just not used to that. So they get very, you know, insulted and, you know, very taken aback. But these same guys who are the most insulting to the status mongers are the nicest guys. I, I an anonymous account, ask for your help from these guys. And I'll be like, hey, I don't know how to work this. How do you use this wallet? And these guys who are OGs, some of them even more that I'm not even mentioning, personally respond to me on Twitter. They personally reply to me. A nobody, I don't even mean the nobody that I have in my real life. I mean a nobody that has 15 followers on another account. They don't know. And they're, they're like so helpful. And it's the same guys who are the harshest to the status mongers are the most fair and generous to the plebs. So I, I think it's, it's actually, it's like just a really good, it's just good that they're like that. I just think it's good, ruthless to these people trying to flex on them and very nice to people who are earnestly like, hey, I don't understand this. You know, anyone have an answer to this technical question? Yeah, I know Michael Krieger lives. I always pronounced it plebes in my head because like a plebeian, but I, I also pronounced hodling wrong. So I'm sure. I know, I know. I might be pronouncing it wrong. I just... I just yeah. no. I, I Krieger loves the community, and I hear I actually do recognize the names you're saying. And uh, Lex Friedman, I actually do like, but that was very interesting his reaction there. And it's like, oh, I'm blocking you out of love or something. Like, yeah, really, yeah, that was interesting. And then the whole I don't know if you've seen. Speaking of drama, the Safadine and Taleb. I mean, they just really went at uh, each other too. Taleb, yeah. what's Taleb? Right? Yeah. Yeah, Taleb. Taleb. COVID yeah. broke his brain. He was actually totally right in the beginning. Like, we should be cautious. You know, he was totally right about, you know, these sort of big level events, like don't, these are tail events. And he was totally right. But, th but then like, I don't think he got his due or something. I know he didn't, he never gets his due. He's always upset. You know, I think he, he's, he's known as a genius, but I don't think he feels he's gotten his due as the genius he truly is. And so I don't know. I mean, he just like, he went after PD Mangan. PD Mangan is the health guy that I like. And PD Mangan is a nice guy. Like if you ask him, same thing. Like if you ask him something, he'll answer you. Right. And, you know, he gives away the stuff for free. It's like really good information about health. 
And the only reason I know about him is through Taleb. And he went savagely after Mangan, saying he's a fraud. Because Mangan was like, look, you basically take care of your immune system. And he was against the lockdowns and all these things. And it was just like, he just got unhinged because people didn't agree with him. And I do think he was correct in the beginning. But after a while, I was like, okay, well, we, we seem to be willing to throw civil liberties in the garbage for this uh, virus that kills point, you know, one five. I mean, it's a serious thing, but it, it's not the only thing. And he just... And then, like, you know, he had Bitcoin and then he and Safe Dean, who was very much like, you know, fuck this virus is bullshit. They, that was it. And, you know, he wrote the intro. Taleb wrote the forward to the Bitcoin standard, too. So there's like a deep falling out between these guys. Well, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you should read it because he addresses that. And he says that he, he wrote that forward without reading the book. And he says the biggest mistake of his career is having that fraud who doesn't know anything about Bitcoin just get credit for writing the forward. They're, they really go at it. If you, don't, you haven't seen this uh, latest fact. Oh, oh forward, recently. But, I didn't realize I went after it recently. I, I, I knew oh, that. Oh, like, yeah, like yesterday. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I didn't realize they were still at each yeah. other. But yeah. Taleb- Oh, no. He says he wrote the forward for my book, but he without reading the book, he said. Well, I, Taleb- And he's going to have a- and he's going to have uh, Michael Saylor write the new forward to him, a real right. guy with skin in the real game man. and a real and not a fraud. Yeah, real man. <laughs> Michael Saylor is a real man. But but the thing is, you know, Taleb wrote some amazing stuff and learned no doubt. so, uh, no, so much for him. Nick Carter, Nick Carter is saying, too, you know, like a lot of my heroes like are just uh, like this. It's shattering his heroes by their you know current view of Bitcoin. And, you know, I, I don't know if we talked about this before, but Bitcoin is like spiritual enlightenment. It doesn't come for the smartest person in the world, right? The guy who Stephen Hawking is not going to be enlightened necessarily. It might be some humble monk in Thailand is going to be enlightened. You know, it's not necessarily going to be the smartest guy in the world, right? It's going to be the guy who's open, who's ready for it. And I feel like this is, with Bitcoin, it's like you have to be open to this new reality. You have to be open to this thing. You know, Taleb is incredibly smart, but like, is he open? And a lot of these guys, their ego, like it's not that complicated. Like once you realize all you got to do is buy this thing and hold on to it, it's like, wait, no, 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 I'm smarter than that. I'm going to figure out a better solution. I, I know better than this. Like this can't be it. I can show you how to invest in and hedge risk and all this stuff. I, I wrote books on risk and management and it's like, no, you just have to buy it and hold it and just be open to the, to the, the things changing. It's, it's like, it's almost like it's too simple for these geniuses and they just, their ego, they can't, they reject it. And they're so pissed that these like people who are not as smart as they are, uh, are making all this money and so smug about it now. And they're just, it's just like, I, I think that's what's going on. And, and that's why like so many people who you looked up to, cause you're like, these people really think things through. They're amazing what they do. But then it just comes to this simple thing and they just can't, they're not ready for the enlightenment, man. They're just, they're still, you know, being smart isn't, isn't everything, you know, there's, there's, they're not wise. They're smart. They're not wise. Or they have a, a certain understanding, but not a, not a big enough understanding. Yeah, it's interesting. And some of the, some of them just seem like they attack it, like it is for no reason to. And I get that it comes to the, the Bitcoin community can be bad. I mean, self attack back or whatever, but I don't know. It does feel like a lot of the people attacking it are like, I don't know, maybe just, I don't, I don't know if they don't understand it or if they were just a little bit slow to it. I don't know. It just seems like there's a weird agenda some, sometimes involved. But um, anyway, I, I'm yeah. It's it's funny that drama is involved. I, I've heard there's some fantasy baseball drama too, but I guess I missed that on the the Twitter communities. Well, I'm sure you were you were heavily involved in it. Well, I don't even know. I don't even know what happened. What happened to fantasy no, baseball? I don't even know either. I've heard Jeff reference it on 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 the XM show and whatnot, but uh, yeah, I don't even know either. Oh, there's some beef. I I you know I I just crack up when I see that stuff. I don't really, but I don't I don't get into beefs. I I get into debates, civil debates. Cardi and I got into a debate another debate about the uh, 
Blake Snell World Series thing, but it's not. I like Cardi. We're, we're friends, so there's nothing, sure. uh, no harsh words exchanged. Sure. sure. Um, all right, man. Good stuff. You got anything else? No, that's it, man. I just, I just, you know, that main event team that's in 14th place, it's a good team. I look at the roster, but I've had this before, dude. I've had many seasons uh, in the NFBC where I drafted a team. I was very happy with it. Every day I looked at my roster, I was proud of it. I thought this was a good team and it wasn't doing well. And I just thought it was going to do well. And it just never really did. And then maybe you get an injury or something. But, you know, that's not the issue with me. I don't have injuries, really. It's just not doing well. So I'm hoping that, uh, that that's just, you know, circumstantial and that things are going to turn around. But, yeah, that's it, man. That's all I got. All right. I'm off to some fun pitching starts in this road to this league I'm in with you. 111 innings, 162 strikeouts, 2.2 ERA, and a 0.83 whip. That's my uh, my staff in that league. So I got to say it now before it all goes to hell. Um, one recommendation for for everyone: Bad Trip, um, because I know we're Eric Andre fans here. He's uh, did his own movie called Bad Trip. It's Borat style, and some of the stunts are just out of control. Definitely uh, over the top, R rated, but uh, very, very, very funny as his show is Eric Andre uh, called Bad Trip. Uh, good to be back, Liz. And um, yeah, man, uh, I'll uh, I'll talk to you on XM tomorrow. But um, uh, yeah, good stuff. I'm in. Take it easy, Dom.